0: When I stop thinking about myself and I start thinking about other people, um, and I start picking up on the energy of other people, people who are living into their passions, um, that's, that's just, it's, it's so awakening. Um, and, it, and it feels, it, those moments where you just, you know you feel like you're in the right spot at the right time, like that's, I've, I've never felt in the right spot at the right time when I'm doing something for myself. I've, I've felt that when I'm supporting somebody else. Welcome to Wise Words and Whiskey. I'm your host, Wiley McGraw.
1: Join me with other great guests as we sip good whiskey and talk about all things high performance. So, kick back, pour yourself a nice dram, and settle in for some low key conversations on high performance living. Let's jump in. For those of you that are hanging out with us today, I want you to meet Mr. Tyler Stevens. Tyler is a former collegiate athlete at USC and The Ohio State University with a background in communications, marketing, and even is a specialist in video production, much like this. He is the co-founder and COO of the wildly successful media and design company most recently rebranded as Kinwoven. But I did not bring him on the show to talk about his formal background. I brought Tyler here today to honor him as a man who relentlessly supports his creative and influential wife and mother-in-law, who are in fact the stars of Kinwoven, and to uncover how he's able to successfully do so all while being behind the scenes. Tyler, brother, thank you for being here. Hey, appreciate you asking me on. Absolutely. Before we jump into that conversation right there, I want us to go ahead and crack open this unique bottle of whiskey. Yeah. Angels envy is the name of this is a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. And if you're in the audience right now and you have the opportunity to do so, feel free to kick back, relax, pour yourself a dram as well. While Tyler and I do the same, we're going to drink this specific whiskey neat, which just means we're not going to add any water or ice. Tyler, I know you don't really drink that much and you're not a big whiskey guy. So you're going to get to go through an experience with us today right now. But, um, I figured with this type of whiskey, it would be perfect for you. It's not going to be harsh and overbearing and overpowering, but I chose Angel's Envy for a very specific reason. And before we sip it, I want to share that with you. Okay. I chose it for you for a, a few reasons. Number one, it is a small batch, you know, handcrafted production uh, at a distillery that has been in three generations of family. So it's in a family affair of whiskey making which I think you can appreciate given the fact that you run a company with your family as well. So I thought it was really fitting for us to do that with this type of whiskey. The other thing, though, I really appreciated about it, if we look at it, is this unique design of the bottle. On the back of it, it's got the angel wings. I think you would appreciate that as well. (laughs) But... It's a little bit of an ode to your wife, Sharon, your mother-in-law, Rebecca. And if they're listening or watching this right now, it's a little bit of a, a nod to their je ne sais quoi of their design uh, acumen. And I wanted to at least uh, share that with you while, while we're getting into it as well. So maybe this is something you all can have at the table uh, over a great conversation, much like we're going to have here as well. But um, without further ado, the other beautiful part about what I love with Angel's Envy yeah, you're already nosing it, which is great. <laughs> for those of you that are listening right now, I'm glad Tyler did that, is because whiskey experiences or wine experiences or tequilas, most people don't get educated on enjoying ex- the full experience of a spirit they drink. They typically drink it to get drunk. It's like, a, hey, let's go out and have a good time. But for me and my appreciation for the high-performance craftsmanship of something like a whiskey – The whole point of having it is to start with the nose first, like you just did. When you bring it to your nose, you allow yourself to relate to the sense that you get from that that juice. And it kind of prepares your body or your palate for what you're going to taste. That's the initial preparatory step, if you will, prior to actually drinking the whiskey itself. The point of whiskey making too, why it's Angel's Envy, this is another element I think you'll appreciate, Tyler. Is the father came out of retirement to do this project with his son and eventually his grandson joined in this, this uh specific idea of taking a bourbon and finishing it in port pipes. A port pipe is essentially a specialized cask that matures Port wines, and if you've ever had a port wine, it's a dessert wine. People that are listening right now have never heard of it. It's very sweet, so you can imagine what's going to happen when you taste a whiskey that spent four, five, six months finishing in a cask that you previously held those types of sweet wines. The other part of it, which is cool, is uh, before we jump in here, five percent of the whiskey that's lost during the barrel aging process is called the angel's share. It's kind of like a gift to the angels in heaven. So when they sipped this finished product, the father jokingly said, I think we got a better deal than the angels. Hence the name angels. Oh, that's perfect. And that's how it was born. Isn't that perfect? Yeah. I think I thought you would appreciate it, but I'm going to go back to real quick. So we can sip this. We can jump in the conversation and the folks that are hanging out can learn is you start with the nose. You don't want to sniff it. You want to allow the sense the, uh, to hit the olfactory system almost elegantly. So you can experience, different types of of uh, memories of what you might be smelling that starts the process what do you think you're getting right now with that
0: when you smell yours there is like a spice like a like a
1: mm. like a sharp spice you get the vanilla what's that you get a lot of vanilla i'm getting vanilla and raisin raisin yeah yeah like a nice yeah right maybe a little bit of maple syrup as well and i know that i think that comes from those pork pipes but you're getting that that smell. And, and again, it's all about being gentle with your smelling, not just breathing it in because you'll overpower yourself with the alcohol, but, uh, it changes your relationship to the spirit when you knows it the pr- proper way. Yeah. So, without further ado, my man, Hey, you know what, as we say in Gaelic to your health, slancha
0: Ooh, it is good. That is good.
1: By the look of your face, having the nose prepared you for a, a different—probably um, your mind was like, "Hey, I wonder if this is going to be harsh." But then when you did the the nosing, it gave your palate kind of permission to be kind of prepared for a really good, fun experience. What are you, um, what
0: are you getting? What's that look? Well, I, I just love how I—I I mean, I don't know the terminology for whiskey, but essentially, I, I took the sip and immediately, you know, you, you taste the flavor, but it's this all this after. Um, that really is is so rich and robust. Where like I can still taste it towards the back of my throat and my tongue, right. and it's like a black licorice right. almost, like just Ooh, nice. You know, it's
1: nice black licorice. Yeah, I'm getting a uh, toasted nuts. Uh, there is a, I would say, a very subtle lingering mouthfeel of it's like a a, a type of oak. If you got, I don't know if you got that too. Again, this is a very subjective experience and I want people that are listening. That's why we do this on the show as well, so that people can learn how to appreciate whatever spirit they like uh, and also learn how to drink whiskey in a different way. And that's the beautiful thing is you have a very subjective palate to what you're experiencing where I'm getting uh, ripe fruits and I'm getting more maple syrup and I'm getting a lot of vanilla. This is definitely a vanilla heavy bourbon. Uh, which I very much appreciate. Uh, so it's a good experience all in all. Do so you like it? Love it. Yeah.
0: Thank you for Love introducing it. me going to it. I'm gonna definitely keep uh, an eye like
1: I told you <laughs> you can have it at the table now. You can have great conversations over a little sip of bourbon with uh, with the family and whatnot. But uh so Tyler, you know, let me let me start by saying, you know, in the work that I do with powerful and prominent people, both men and powerful women, uh, I have noticed a tendency over the last 14 years Uh, of men that have a, a hard time or they struggle with supporting their partners, especially if their partners are as strong as they are, if not sometimes even stronger than they are. And you seem to have this elegant way about you, an elegant ability to be able to not only support one, but two strong, successful women in your life all while doing it behind the scenes. And I brought you here truly to honor you as not only the man that can do that, but to talk about, uh, how you're able to, what's your secret sauce around that so that other men can in fact start to learn how to support their partners
0: the same way. Wow. Thank you, man. I mean, it's, it's touching that you were able to kind of like see that behind the scenes, because like you said, it's, it's not about me at all. Um, and, and, uh, you know, growing up, I, I definitely had different thoughts for what I'd be doing for a career um, in, in, in college and even right out of college. Um, but I'm, I've learned, you know, that expectations can be dangerous, you know, and, and it, right. they prevent you from actually being able to experience the joy of what's right in front of you. Um, mm. And so I've just learned in my life, I've had th- I a lot of, of, of hopes that I thought things would go one way and, and they went another. My athletic career, I just suffered a lot of injuries um, and yeah, I just, I just learned along the way, you know, I'm, I'm a believer, I'm a follower of Jesus. And so I've, I've learned to just yeah. kind of submit to somebody's got a plan for me. And while I might think I know what I want, uh, you know, when I, when I get, when I get in the way of like, what's in front of me, um, that's, that's when I, that's when I go into depression. That's when I get really sad is when I'm like, man, I wish it was like this instead of right letting go of that and just being able to say, okay, this is what's in front of me. Look how beautiful it is. Look at look at the opportunity in front of me and be able to really appreciate the moment and the opportunity that's right there.
1: Nice. No, yeah, and that's good. Again, I'm going to multiple things you just shared, which is fantastic. Um, ostensibly clear that you are a man of faith. And that's, I think, another reason why I did I chose Angel's Envy. I thought, you know what? I want to make sure this is a very a good experience for Tyler so he can realize that he's seen. And that's, I think the thing is, what you're sharing is you're, you're so committed to uh, being present with uplifting others. It's kind of a standard you operate by that when others win, you win. That's, right. That's at least what I'm picking up from that. Especially the fact that you built a business with your family. I mean, your wife, your mother-in-law, who are highly successful women. They are, for all intents and purposes, very strong women. And men get very intimidated by that, especially family members. And someone with your background, I know you were you, were, you know uh, instrumental in the launch of Google+. Plus. Back in the day when it came out, you've done a lot of stuff with like Apple, different companies like that, where you really were part of create, creative processing and, and marketing and, and getting people to shine in the spotlight, all while you were the guy who was moving the levers behind the scenes. So I think it's important for men that are in the audience listening as well, because I have business owners, CEOs, uh, entrepreneurs, people like that that want to know how do I better myself in my performance by understanding that it's not what you just shared. It's not getting ahead of what's in front of you. It's actually appreciating what's in front of you and finding where your true potential can support that. Is that kind of what I'm getting from what you just shared? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I mean I, I've got a I've got a really, really tough inner critic. Um, you know, and and I have I have things that, like I said, like things that if I allow myself to can just like create these lists of dreams and hopes and things that I want to accomplish. Um, and, and oftentimes, you know, life doesn't go that way. And what I, what I really learned to do is just try to try to appreciate what comes in front of me. Um, and specifically, you know, with, with when you're helping other people, um, you're on focusing, focusing on other people and able to celebrate their wins. Like you're not thinking about yourself, you know, you're not thinking about like, Oh, you know, and I, I really, I, I dreamed of being a professional volleyball player and that didn't happen. And when I'm helping out with, you know, helping someone build a business, and doing something, I'm not thinking about like, oh, why is it, why did I have all those injuries? Or I really want to be a screenwriter and, and, and make it in Hollywood. Um, and so, you know, there's a choice to like focus on the things that you didn't get to accomplish for. It's like, oh, wow. I've been able to actually reach millions of people through, you know, a platform like YouTube and our, our design sessions um that i you know i never would have reached just trying to write scripts and getting getting it on a a page of a or on the desk of an agent you know i I think i've written probably about eight or ten scripts and there's probably like 12 people who have read them whereas like some of the content we make is watched by millions of people and so it's it's just funny to like let go of certain expectations and at the end of the day i just love telling stories and i want to make impact in people's lives um and so that's the beautiful thing about technology and about Social media. I mean, social media, we can talk about that for a long time. It's it's got kind of its pros sure and cons. Could, yeah. Um yeah. But the fact that it does allow you to reach people, um, and, and there's no gatekeepers. Uh, you know, if you're passionate and you have a story or something you want to share, you can do it.
1: Yeah. It's interesting because you you played volleyball obviously in college and you went to two really I would say prestigious schools and that's why I emphasize the Ohio State. I have friends of mine that were football players there that I served in the military with, so they always made sure that you emphasized that specific word. And it's like so I had to make sure I honored that when you came on. But when you were playing sports, you, you know what was it specifically though? Did you recognize about yourself when sports was taken from you? Because it sounds like. Again, we all have the idea. And again, there's nothing wrong with wanting something to create for yourself in your life. Sometimes you actually hit that target, but sometimes God, the universe, everything else has a different plan for you because your power and your creativity and your love and who you are is meant to go somewhere else and really impact, like you said, those lives. You thought, if I could create from this perspective, I would have a happy, successful life. But clearly you were stopped in your tracks. Sometimes it has to be a physical kick in the balls, if you will, <laughs> to get you to change direction of focus, but what it is is it showcased more of the kind of man you are see so that's why I definitely wanted you on because it's the type of man you are that leaned into that aside from your faith, aside from understanding what what it means to serve and give to others so they can they can experience. That, that level of happiness, joy, peace, and satisfaction in their lives, there's something about you as a man that relentlessly does it. Regardless of who you're around, what you're doing, you have two strong women you're, you work a business with. Their personalities are, are literally just, like, just these self-sufficient, creative, influential, loving, caring, driven people, and you're a man who's watching that going, I love it, and I'm going to continuously do it and uplift them both. What can other men really learn about you as a man that is a little bit more, I would say, intuitively uh, enticing for them to start stepping towards re- the, that release of selfishness and get into the space of really understanding that their strength does not overpower who they are?
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's in, it's, it didn't fully come naturally or easy. You know, it's it was one of those things where it was sure. when we first started working together, I used to always feel like, I'm kind of getting in their way, you know, because like you said, my background you know it's 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 a different it's different than their background you know it's a little bit more right. of the traditional production structure um you know and influencers th- things you learn about influencers if you've ever met them or talked to them is it's It's all instinct for them. You know, there's really not a lot of planning that happens. Um, and, you know, like you and I today talking about how, oh, when you whenever you set up an event like this, you know there's planning, there's checks and balances. There's things you need to do to make sure the production goes well. And so that's the background that I came from, which was just always right. Let me make sure we have a, an outline. make sure we have a script. let's do a rehearsal. Let's do these things. um and and they were very much like, that's not how we do it, um, and so it took, it took me a minute to just be like, okay, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna All right. kind of throw away what I thought I was bringing to the table. I, I think I, I'm here thinking this is my value, this is my experience, and I'm saying let me just set that aside um, and let me see how I can support what they're doing. Um, and it's funny because like the times that they have listened to me, we've done things that are like a little bit more scripted. Um, they don't perform as well <laughs> as when as when we just go with their gut. Um, it's, it's humbling, but it's also like, I'm, I'm always wanting to learn and learn how to tell stories, how to reach audiences. Um, and so if you feel like you have it all figured out, like you're, you're not going to learn. So you have to come into it open-minded, um, and just, just ready to see how, you know, crazy thing about social media is, is you get feedback right away. So there's no question if it's good or not.
1: Oh, geez. That's so true. Well, I'm going to push at something you said, because when you realized your, structured self was faced with more the intuitive in the moment uh, personalities that you work with, and that's what we'll say, we'll call that. You said, okay, and you let it go. See, I know it didn't come easy in the beginning, but you still did it. There was still a part of you where men have a hard time doing that. I've worked with Public figures that are constantly in combative spaces with their partners because their partners is trying to show them that it can go much less rigidly, get a little bit more into the ambiguity, the white space of creation, get to the place of understanding that life is way more than just this compartmentalized black and white way of approaching, you know, doing things, building things, creating things. And they still have a hard time with that until they get to a place where, I'm, again, I come into their lives and I put them through the ringer so we can eradicate why they are out of balance with their their partners that way and how that affects their performance, their success, their happiness, and joy. You said it. It's like I just said, okay, that's not who, I, who I, I am, but that's not who they are either. So I'm willing to almost sacrifice you know, that kind of rigid side of me or maybe structured side of me. Not to say you got rid of it, but you're willing to kind of like you did. You just wave with your hands, throw it over you, and let it go because you realized... There's more here. What? Why did you do that? What? What is it as a man that you felt like you needed to do? That? Regardless of it's your mother-in-law or your wife, there's there's more to who you are that said, "I need to do that."
0: You know, I think I think it's just the way I've perceived leadership. You know, I mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily uh, see leadership as like the drill sergeant, do what I say. This is how it is. It's got to be this way. Um, you know, like like mm-hmm. modeled in the Bible, like I see leadership as servant. servant you know, you, you leave you lead by serving. Um, And so, you know, for for me, it was just in those moments, you have a choice. It's like, is this going to become a competition? And I I didn't try to like tell them about, hey, when I worked with this person or this person, they did it this way. Why can't you guys do it this way too? Or am I just going to say, okay, like, let's try it a new way and let's see how it goes. Um, And as a leader, our ultimate goal together is to make a great product. It's not to do it my way. Um, so, that's that's what I had to learn. Um, and, and, and like I said, early on, we did have those battles. We did have those times when it was just like me struggling to let go of the expectations I had for how things would go. Um, but then as we worked together more, and I think being family we were kind of forced to like, you can't, you know, cause if you, if you have like a blowout at, at work, you go home and you can't, you know, you're right next to that person. For sure. So like yeah. it forces you to make a decision. Okay. Like, am I going to let this be combative and a competitive environment where it's just all about egos and people trying to be, you know, the, the, the right person, or am I going right. to be able to see what they have to bring to the table and then just see how I can facilitate that to, to get to the success that we all want.
1: Totally. And you know, it's something that popped in my head. It's, there's a, a, a philosophical quote that says, you know, everybody is focusing on trying to be right rather than just doing what's right. And that's, I mean, I kind of botched that a little bit, but essentially that's what it comes back down to It's leadership. And I was on, I had a conversation with a former Navy SEAL about this, where in the military, you know, when it comes to leadership, it is not about your your position. It's not about the title. It's not about you getting the accolades, even though everything is hung on you if things don't go well or you might, you might have issues you got to you know, overlook or problem solve through. But like you just hit a good point that I want everybody that's listening, especially the men, is that you surrender not who you are and not your capabilities, your skills or your gifts or your contributions or what you know you bring to the table. You surrender this egoic hold on that if it's not listened to, if it's not respected or implemented, somehow I'm less than. Somehow nobody sees me. Somehow I'm not contributing enough. And that's the that's the male quandary. I think is we get you know we're again we're naturally brought into the world around this limited thinking of men show up X, they do Y, they have to be this way. And we have to work diligently through our faith and through our desire and through our drive and our commitment, all of those elements to discover more about our own personal leadership to realize, is it about the, real, the goal itself or is it about how good you feel about yourself? I, I had a, is it about, yeah, go ahead. Right, please. I had a
0: friend similar to the, the accent you just shared that would always say, hey, are you trying to be helpful or are you trying to be right? And, and I think that's a great measuring stick when, when you're facing someone in a potentially confrontational situation, just stop and think, okay, like, am I trying to help us get to the common goal or am I just trying to be right? Um, Right. And it's, it's a humbling moment, but more often than not, you know, you just realize, okay, like I care more about us achieving what our goal is than about being right. And and that's when you find success.
1: And I think that's exactly why you, you run with with your family a very successful company and, and you have the millions of people that are impacted and affected by what you do because of your this relentless commitment to that excellence from a place of um, service. And I think that's a big fundamental key that people should adopt is when you commit to service – If serving is below you, leadership is beyond you. And at the end of the day, that is a point you cannot argue. If you are not willing to serve, there's no way you can be a good leader. And I've been in the military, coming up from being a private to an NCO, I watched bad leaders and I watched good leaders. And it was always looking at the good leadership qualities. And then developing through myself and my experiences, how do I show up? And I had my trials and tribulations, like you just talked about, through running a team, a four-man team, guys I'm responsible for, dealing with personalities, understanding that I may know the answer, but maybe my guys have something better. Not getting caught up in, I know the answer, so therefore we're going to execute this order. It's like, hey, you know what? How do I serve you even though I'm the one in charge? How do I serve you as my, my team, my people, so we can get to the goal, we can hit our target and we can come home alive. And th- th- that's going back to that, man. It's really great that you said that is it's you, you realize the, the goal for us is the thing that matters is the impact that we have on the masses so they can get the benefits of what they're looking for rather than being strung along by people that have this egoic drive of me, me, me instead of we, we, we. That's right. Yeah. Wow. What else, man? I'm like, I want to know more about your secret sauce. Like it's, <laughs> you have a, you know what? I say that because you have a personality that is again, elegant. Even talking to you right now, I can feel it. Is it is the elegance about you? I think you've always had that, but your life experiences and what you did from college to the, to the business world, you had to lead teams at busy companies like Apple. You had to be in the space with people during their stressful moments. And that takes a lot of personal awareness and grace to be able to understand how do I make sure that these people stop feeling this way through the efforts that I have, rather than it just being something that I feel good about at the end of the day. So what what other elements that you feel like men need to know about how to be a better support for strong, especially strong women? That's a big key.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's really kind of you to say a lot. And I honestly feel like I have, you know no position to be giving people advice. But um, I'll just share, you know, the things that are happening in my life and 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 what I've learned along the way. And a lot of it's kind of what I've said, but I think I think that the biggest work happened to me when, you know, like I, I used to be that guy who wanted to wanted to be the star, wanted to be, you know, get all the accolades. Like I'm, I, when I moved to California, I thought I wanted to be an actor. I thought I wanted to be famous, you know, and, and really what, what I've realized along the way, what that was, is I wanted to find what my value was and I didn't know. And so I was just taking these shortcuts that we hear about, like, oh, you know, being famous, that means you're valuable. Um, and when that stuff, you know, you get a glimpse of it and you're just like, this is empty. You know, like I, I would, I, I had a hard time. And like, like I said, like once I, once I kind of made that transition, I was like, okay, Sports isn't my thing. What's it going to be? Writing? Oh, and that's not going to be my thing. I had some low moments where I was just like, "What am I, What am I going to do with my life? What like I I know I have skills. I've got this. Everyone always says I have potential, you know. And I I used to always say like, "Man, the curse of potential, you know," because I just, I never reached it. It was one of those things. And so and and again, yeah. that's no one else was telling me that. I was telling me that my internal my internal critic is like never being able to celebrate any of my achievements because I wanted to be way up here. Um, and the more, You're more I'm satisfied
1: with the present moment, that's the key. The, the more I focus on, on
0: I, that, the more depressed I got, man. And the more, yeah. the, the, the worse I did, you know, like the, the, the less productive I was, um, you know, the less I was able to even achieve goals, the less driven I was. Um, and so I just kind of like, at, at some point just realized like, st- it's not about you. Just stop, stop worrying about yourself and the, the times in my life where I find the most joy is when I'm helping other people or working with other people and, and trying to figure out how to use the skills to elevate other people. And then I realized, okay, that's where my value is, is in, is in supporting uh-huh. people and helping people. Um, and, and yeah. once I kind of like connected to that, you know, it, it changed everything for me because that's, that's what I, I'll, like, allowed myself to, to give, my, give myself permission to, to take a backseat and to not have to be the star. And to be able to be someone who is behind the scenes and confident enough to know that, like I have value whether or not the world sees it or not.
1: Ah,, uh, lo- you know what? I'm glad you said that exactly how you said it. I had a feeling you were going to because it's this weird connection to being seen with our popularity and our bank accounts, that means we're valuable in this world. And that's a big, I constantly have these conversations with people around it. I call it a dying, I want it to be a dying metric of what we define as success because I think people have gotten too lost in the vanity of things and have not stayed connected to like the real reason they even started doing what they're doing in the first place. It's become this metric or this benchmark of, here's my place in the world. And again, the system, we can get into this conversation for hours about how the system was built and how it's gotten dysfunctional. It's giving people permission. The environments are just, you know, stressed out, causing people to go through X, Y, and Z. And the vanity is the only thing that pays. I understand that. But going to what you just shared that I want everyone to hear right now is it's close to my heart because before the pandemic, I spent 12 years in the shadows, behind the scenes. And I built a business around the gift I know God brought me into this world with that I, as an eruptor, as someone who literally can battle through people's demons with them, get into the trenches with them as their battle buddy, and built a business through relationships, word of mouth, connecting with other people, where I may have worked with very significant personalities and names over the years, but nobody knew who I was. And that was okay. I didn't need it or want it. And I, I'm just honoring what you shared because you, you feel so alive doing the same thing. Because it's not about your name. It's not about your glory. And when I got to the pandemic stage where everything forced me to change and come out into the public eye and share with other leaders and other people that out there that need what I do, it's been an arduous process because it's still not about me, even though I'm sitting here in front of the camera. It really is like, I just want to do my work because I know that I meant how I was built to do my work, to uplift these leaders, because they have the biggest impact on the masses. If I want to help millions of people, I go after those two to three people a year that I work with, I optimize their lives. So they never need to chase another coach or another therapist. Again, they get to a place of ultimate balance and peace. And that has a ripple effect on what they do in a way that is exponentially felt through generations. So it's a key fundamental for people to realize that sometimes the most impact happens when you surrender the need to, to to be glorified and you get to the space of understanding that your success can be driven by this very elegant way in which you are showcasing how, how do I support and uplift the partners, the people I have around me in my life? Because when I lift them up like this, I'm already a very successful person. And the byproducts of what we're doing together only ex- exacerbates that success and allows us to all live together in a very holistically satisfied life. So that's a, man, that was a good one.
0: Yeah, well, you know, it's, what's ironic about it too is anytime I do end up in the spotlight, I hate it. It's the worst, like, <laughs> like you know, it's- <laughs> I get you. <ya. laughs> it's one of those things that it sounds like similar to what you were talking about once you decide to step out, you know, into the, into the light, um, you know, it's, it's like, oh, why did I think I wanted this? <laughs> you know, cause there's there's, I mean, just a lot of pressure that you put on yourself and, and really, like I said, it's all about expectations and it's like, what is this person thinking about me? Do I want them to think about me the way, I, the way that they think about me, like, and it just becomes this endless cycle of just like weird self doubt. So i found like, there's so much freedom of being behind the scenes actually. And, and also respect for, you know, those who are in front of the camera. I mean, like my wife and mother-in-law, it, it, I'm always so shocked and surprised how natural they are in front of the camera. And how they just light up, turn on, and they're able to do it without any of that insecurity or vulnerability that I feel when whenever I put the spotlights put on me. They're just able to share and just give, give, give. Um, and so you know, it's like we, we all have our gifts. And so I think it's funny and it's ironic that th- something I thought I wanted, whenever I get a taste of it, I'm just like, no.
1: <laughs> Is that interesting? How that works? It's something you think you want, and you go, wow, I, I have it now and you paid attention. Here's the thing. Let's go into that one because you paid attention to when you got a taste of it, you are self-aware to go, wait a minute. This is not something that accentuates me. This is not something that makes me feel as alive as it is. If when I'm behind the scenes with my wife and my mother-in-law. So and again, the point is to talk about how you're able to support strong partners, women specifically. And I think that's a big fundamental um, component of change for people's thinking that, Sometimes the things you think you want are not necessarily what you actually need to be successful, and it's very surprising when you get a taste of it, how you want to spit it out of your mouth. Now, some people swallow it, and they keep grinding after more of it. And they don't pay attention to the deterioration of their life, their relationships, their health, their sanity, their mindset, right? all of this you're not in your head because I think you understand oh, that, and that agree was, with that. That was
0: the path I was on, you know, when I was trying to right. trying to find right. my way, you know, and right. and trying to get mine. Um your,
1: yeah, exactly. Your way, it was like it's your way was here, but you were going this way. And it's amazing. I've I've been met so many public figures over the years, especially in my career, that have been beaten down by their choices to swallow that very thing that they should have actually surrendered. And you know what? I got a taste of what I wanted, what I thought I wanted, and I'm going to keep going after more. And I'm going to keep eating it and I'm going to consume it. And what's going to happen is eventually down the road, it's going to catch up with you. And that's the, that's unfortunate part of being human is this, it's almost like a delay. It's like a lagging metric that ends up catching up with you. And after 30 years, I've worked with some guys over 30 years in in the business and they're burned out. They're at their wit's end. Their relationship's suffering. Their kids don't respect them. They're, they're crashing and burning on a constant basis. They're bleeding millions of dollars in their businesses, and they don't understand, I've done all of this good stuff. I thought this is what I was supposed to do. I thought this is who I was supposed to be. And they don't realize that they have surrendered their ability to truly support others the way that they were meant to. They were just supporting themselves and their egos. And that's why they end up unfulfilled, unsatisfied, and restless. And I think it's important for people to hear your story about how you're able to still support so many strong people around you and why you con- continuously do it regardless. And I think you just shared it. It's like, I love and I thrive in the space that I'm in and the shadows behind the scenes, because this is where my true genius is, is respected and seen and valued.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's I mean, it's like, it's like, I've just been saying like the number one thing you, you, you asked me, you know, for advice for people out there who are working with other people, working with women, working with their wives. Secret sauce. Yeah. Give but us your secret, secret sauce. sauce. It's just as not. It's <laughs> not about you. <laughs> it's not about you. And, mm. and, and, you know, like the sooner you can get over yourself, um, the sooner you can start being content in life. That's kind of what I found, you know, like, cause it's so easy for me to go into this, 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 um world of self-pity of like, oh, what was me? What was this? Like I'm 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 more of a melancholy person, I think. And so like my natural um my my natural place to go is is a little bit place of of sadness. But then like I said, when I when I stop thinking about myself and I start thinking about other people, um, and I start picking up on the energy of other people, people who are living into their passions, um, that's yep. that's just it's it's so awakening. Um and it, and it feels it, those moments where you just you know you feel like you're in the right spot at the right time, like that's I, I've I've never felt in the right spot at the right time when I'm doing something for myself. I've I've felt that when okay. I'm supporting somebody else.
1: I love it. No, I, yeah, good. I was going to ask that. And where where do you feel yourself? And that's uh, I'm glad you already brought that up because you, you talked about contentious moments and confrontation is necessary for real growth. If you you really want to transform who you are, you have to be willing to embrace confrontation. And going back to what you talked about in the beginning, Tyler, was that you had your contentious moments with your family. You had to have those headbutting situations to truly almost mold into the energy to understand where your value fit, which then changed your perspective on what it means to truly support strong people. Because you're a strong person yourself in your own way. And I think people forget to discover where their true strength resides is not necessarily what society teaches us that strength is. We get caught up in, if you don't do X, then you're we- your weakness and you need to build on that. You need to work on it. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners and CEOs and people that are doing this work that similar, you know, running companies get lost in the idea that strength comes only in one way and it needs to look a certain way. And we have to operate the way I see strength being rather than realizing When I run a team, I might have conflict with my team, but that's us ironing out our differences and getting ourselves to the place of understanding where our our lane is so that our value is then accentuated through that effort and that team function. Yeah, Going back to my question is, how difficult was it really for you and your wife and your mother-in-law to truly iron out and get into this flow together? Because if you look at it now, when people are going to go check out Kinwoven and everything that you're doing, they're going to be like, wow, this is like a well-oiled machine. It moves. It, it, it's smooth. People are interested in it. You know, you have the uh, the attention of of people that are interested in the design and the media, et cetera. How long did you, do you feel it took you to really battle that out and get to the clarity that, wow, I need to just let go and just relentlessly be in the space that I thrive in yeah. so that these women can shine.
0: I mean, every day, <laughs> you know, it's never, okay. it's never ending. Um, it's never ending. Okay. Yeah. Hey, dude, good, good honesty. But good but honesty. I, you know, I think I, I like what you said about um, confrontation because I, I used to avoid confrontation at all costs. Um, right. You know, I, I used to think that, you know, all right, I'm just going to be the peacemaker here. Um, but I realized that, you know, that, that's diminishing your own value at times. And, and there are times mm-hmm. that I have things to contribute that need to be contributed. And, and so what I've learned as a leader is, you know, number one role of a leader is to eliminate confusion. So I, I have to pick a path and set us down a path when the three of us can just be like, Where should we, what should we do? What should we do? And, you know, I have to be willing to pick a path and, and fight for that path. And then that will often be what creates confrontation is because I picked a path. Now in my mind, I don't necessarily care if this is a path we go. I just know we need to take a path. And so it, it, what it does is it reveals like it it allows the other people in the room to understand what it is that they actually want. Um, cause they're able to respond to the path that I set forward. And sometimes, sometimes they're all for it it and I happen to pick the right path. Other times it gives them something to, um, bounce off against, and then it creates right. some conflict, and then we work it right. through, and then the, the best solution comes at the top. Um, so right. I realized that conflict was actually a great tool to getting us to where we wanted to go, and I just have to be willing to mm. enter conflict without pride. I mean, that that's that's if you enter conflict with pride, it's just going to escalate, 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 never go anywhere. But if you want to enter conflict without pride, that's when you can get to solutions.
1: Enter conflict without pride. That's a that. Those are wise words that are going to land. I promise you people are going to listen to that for a second and entering conflict without pride separates again, you know, the military, we talk about it too, but I I don't, you've probably heard it before, but it is, they call it detachment. So when you enter a situation where you have a team and you're operating from a place of solutions, problem solving, if you will, and everybody's got input, the leader still, still ultimately has the decision But sometimes they enter that conversation with the, I'm going to let my guys or gals provide information that might go against what I think to be true. And what ends up happening is the conflict that comes up stimulates ego. And then everybody fights each other and nothing gets done. And that's how people fail. That's how people have problems in their companies. That's how people in combat can get killed. So I love that you said that entering conflict without pride Is understanding that these people that are listening to that are going to go, okay, so when I get into the situation where I have nothing other than the one direction, which is I need to confront the situation, I need to be willing to open my mouth and share a thought in a boardroom, share a meeting idea... Regardless of the reaction of the people on the other side of the table, like you just said with Sharon and Rebecca, you're like, regardless of my mother-in-law and my wife's reaction, I still need to share this. Because what's important is it could create a solution for us that might blend both all three of us and our ideas together for a really significant outcome that is even more beneficial to people. Sometimes they t- tell you straight up, no go sit down and run the camera. I don't know, you know, whatever they might say, or another type of like, geez, okay, Tyler, now that was brilliant. Let's look at how we can now integrate this into our ideas and our thoughts. And then it becomes a very robust process of, of success that people uh, end up uh, missing out. I would say, I'm trying to find the words they miss out on because they're so hell bent on either avoiding conflict or getting, being, being the person that's right. There's no middle ground. And I do it constantly with the clients I work with is I'm constantly uh, in confrontation with them. I battle through what they think to be true rather than what is true. Getting them to understand here's where your limitations really are. Here's what's really going on and why you're not blowing through them. And we get into straight up confrontation. And I think people are afraid of the way it feels. They... They, they see it conceptually that confrontation is good. You do. You're like, I, I know it's good, but I used to avoid it at all costs because I didn't like the way it felt. I didn't like the way people reacted to me. I thought that that's not good if people are upset if I say something. And sometimes, most often than not, you need to be able to upset someone to change course, to change things for the better. And mm-hmm. if you avoid confrontation at all costs, you create a limited living experience. And then you wonder why 10 years down the road, no, things are not that much better. You're feeling like lost. You want to know why things aren't working the way you want them to. And you're depressed. You're miserable. You're upset at things. And your relationships start to... It's that, that That's that unhealthy tension that starts to happen in those relationships. So please, I mean, share more because that's that's really key <laughs> idea here that people need, especially men need to hear when it comes to the women that you're confronting and having these moments with.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, you know, like I was saying, it's thinking about how you can view a conflict, not as a competition. And and I think that's in the past as, as an athlete, as someone who just relates to things in competition, you know, I think that's why I used to avoid conflicts because I didn't, I don't, I didn't lose well. And so if, if I entered a conflict um, and I viewed it as a competition, then I would do everything I could to win that conflict or win that argument. And I wouldn't lose well, so I would, you know, take cheap shots. I would say things that I don't really mean just to try to get the upper hand in that conflict. And so that's when I, you know, when when you realize like, okay, a conflict doesn't have to be a competition. That's when you can get to a place where you're working together to solve a problem. And so once I realized I don't have to win every conflict, they were less scary to enter conflicts because I could enter a conflict and I cannot win this, and it's totally fine. Um, And we're just going to get to something together.
1: I love it. You, you know, especially in, you brought up earlier in the conversation, social media, I and mean, that's a big thing right now is, <clears throat> well, number one, the decorum that we used to have is gone. I think it's com- al- at least almost gone completely where people are no longer in a state of having what I call authentic argumentation and debate. So when I was in college, we, I do my debate classes. we stand up there and it was, there was a very specific way in which we had maintained decency for the other side you know, we had decorum with how we argued and we debated each other. We brought facts and information to the table so that we can go back and forth. And again, I had a conversation with um, a debate on who's the better baseball team, Angels or Dodgers? And I grew up in Anaheim, so I'm a big, I am was a big Angels fan. I was trained by the California Angels pitching staff as a pitcher. So I am ob- obviously biased towards the Angels. But the person that made the argument for that kind of almost in a way won the argument with a lot of the facts about how prestigious the Dodgers really were and their history and everything going on here. And I, and it's not like I got mad and upset that it was, I lost the competition. I realized you just brought better facts. You had a better argument and I kind of got my butt kicked a little bit there and that's okay. So what I took from that information what I'm taking from you right now and want the audience to hear is when you quote are in conflict and you feel like you're losing the conflict, don't see it as competition. See it as an opportunity for growth. See it as an opportunity for to, to change strategy. Bring yourself to a place of awareness to realize that you're not being belittled or being berated. You're not being the bad boy or bad girl. You're just being shown there's ways to improve so that when you argue again or you have another conflict moving forward, it's, it just consistently creates more opportunity, more momentum towards the right direction. And that's how teams function in a, in a very well run manner. So I think it's great that you brought that up multiple times and why I poked back at it again to ask because social media, everybody's arguing with each other. Everybody wants to be right. People are fighting each other and they're doing it from a passive aggressive place. There is no information or facts actually really matter. And it's just who can be the loudest, who can actually Trump the other person who can punk them out. And we get nowhere as a society. And then you have men specifically who are just loud. If I'm loud, I win. But success comes from not winning. Success comes from collaboration. It comes from honoring one another and allowing the other person in conflict to have the better solution. Sometimes yours just doesn't work. Hey, I had a team when I was put in charge of my team in Iraq, um, and I led my guys to combat. It's there were times when we were getting ready to go do an operation, and some of the guys that were like, "Hey, hey, Corporal McGraw, check it out." I don't know if that's a good idea if we're going to go do this, like, you know, dismounted patrol into this area. Let's go this way. Let's figure out how we can infiltrate this way and do X, Y, Z. What do you think? And I'm like, wow, you know better than I do. You know what? That's a good idea. Let's look at how we can maximize your idea because it's not about me. It's about the mission and us getting home alive. And that's an extreme example of what you're talking about. But I wanted to relate to what you shared on how competition is not about winning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, so, social media, it's, it's, it's really a shame that it ha- it's had the impact it's had on, on, on communication um, because it is such an amazing right. tool. Um, like I talked about before, just the fact that you can, you can share stories in, in a way you've never been able to before. Um, you can inspire people in ways right. you can never before. Um, but I think, I think sometimes, you know, our ego convinces us that we have to have something to say about everything. And that's just not true. Like there's times you can see something and whether you agree with it or don't agree with it, you don't have to say anything. But I think oftentimes like we've gotten oh, to this culture where it's like you have to say something or else either A, they're gonna think I agree with it or they're gonna think I'm on this other side. So just we're in this really paranoid position where everyone just like immediately goes to outrage because they just feel like that's that's what they have to do. And really, I I believe that outrage is like, that totally eliminates any any opportunity for change. You get to outrage, you're not gonna be able to change because in order to of change, course. you have to first understand what the other person did that made you so upset. And you have to put yourself in their shoes and you have to allow yourself to go to that place where it's like, well, there is a circumstance where I would have made the same choice, you know, and not think that you're just better than them. Right. And I think that's like across the board, there's always, right. always, you know, you can play it out in your mind and you can always figure out like, well, if this happened to me, I might have made the same choice. And so you really seek understanding instead of just this outrage and change, um, that's, that's the path to, to real discord.
1: Yeah, and I think you're doing, uh, obviously you're uh, an exemplary uh, example of that, doing what you're doing with your family. And going out back to what you said, communication is the, the component. I think that it is wildly misunderstood. We think that communicating just means saying something and saying things at all costs. And regardless, it's like express, just express whatever you're feeling in the moment. But communication is not necessarily always about constant talk, opening your mouth. It takes a lot of courage to sit down and not say a damn word as well. It really does. Sometimes you don't, like you said, I love that you brought this up and I want every single person that listens to this conversation to to consider their approach to social media argumentation because... Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Sometimes it's okay to not have to jump into the conversation because you have a thought about it. It's about self-reflection and consideration of, is what I'm going to add necessary for the argument at hand? And is it going to provide solutions or help us get to a solution? Or is it just going to be me participating in a tiff with other people on the Internet? And when we can get human beings to stop seeing confrontation as a place to fight each other over he said, she said, beliefs, facts, non-facts, whatever is going on out in this crazy damn world right now, we can change, number one, the communication approach. Number two, how we view confrontation. Number three, recognizing when we feel emotions that are charging us, it's okay to have them. They are giving us information like you just shared. Why am I being upset about what X person said to me? Is it relevant for me to respond and is it going to create solutions for the problems at hand? And if I can get back to that behind the scenes attitude and mindset, things can naturally start to evolve in the right direction because everybody wants it to change, but everybody's fighting each other on how it should change rather than like you do behind the scenes going, you know what you're the change making on the face and I'm going to be here to support it and uplift it. So let's figure out how we can conflict with each other the right way so that everything keeps going in the right direction that is the impetus to true leadership that is going to change the world. But you cannot transform who you are if you're unwilling to embrace the fact that it's not always about you.
0: That's it, man. That's it. And it's a hard truth, but I think it's also super freeing <laughs> well, once, you, once yeah. you realize it. You know, it's yeah. just like, you don't ha- it doesn't have to be about you. And, and I think that's, it's, it's freedom. It's freedom to, to just be able to allow yourself, like I said earlier, give yourself permission to take a step back. Give yourself permission to create space for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's 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 not. You're, nothing's going to happen to you negative. You know, like you're you're. It's going to be okay. You can <laughs> you can let other people. It win. It's going to be okay.
1: It, it's you know what? It is going to be okay. And I I I just go back to you know earlier. It's I care more about doing the work that I'm meant to do than I care about anything else. It's like the money is a byproduct the effect of the relationships I get to have in the people that I get to impact what they're going to go out and do in the world as a celebrity and the influence that they have when they're in the spotlight the, and when they are living a healthy, balanced, optimal life from a place of peace and satisfaction, the byproducts of who they are are going to impact the masses in a very uplifting manner. They're going to naturally be the impetus that gives people permission to do the same. And we have celebrities that aren't living that way. We have public figures and people in the spotlight. Like, again, think about your wife and mother in law. They're in the spotlight. If they are people that are not living good lives, it's going to leak into others that are watching them, and people are going to get permission to emulate the behaviors and the attitudes and personalities that they see, your your family doesn't do that, right? They, they come out with this smiles and the, they have a heart-centered care for what they're putting out into the world, and people are going to feel that, and it's going to allow them to turn around, and a subconsciously, they're going to act in, and emulate whether they realize it or not. So when you are going back to that space of considering the impact of what you are doing from that support, when you surrender this need to be, the man or the woman at all times, it's, it's unbelievable what can actually transpire. And that does actually come back to serve you and satisfy this need to feel like you are accomplishing or giving value to the world, rather than it showing up based on this educational aspect of success looks like this value looks like this. And if I don't have those, then I'm going to go after anything and everything at all costs to make sure I get them, which is what social media has done to people. And then here we are in this like never-ending battle of dysfunction. So, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Cool. Well,
0: go ahead. Are you were going to say the last thing. No, I mean, I mean, the last thing is as you're as you're talking, it's just kind of a, a mantra of mine that I try to remind myself of is just almost just what's that? Shrink your world, think smaller. You know, like because mm. ambitious people we tend to want to just do everything all at once. Um, right. But it's just okay, in the moment, how do I just impact this conversation I'm having right now and just show up right. in it and and be the most the best I can be in this conversation and not worry about being this best conversation for everybody I ever talked to, but it's just this one moment right now, just be good yeah. just yeah. be good for this one moment, and then the next right. moment you can take on when it comes,
1: yeah, and it builds and it builds on that it's like those small steps, you know slow is smooth, smooth is fast it's a philosophy that we use constantly where it's like when you slow down and you actually contract yourself. It's almost one of my key philosophies I talk about is the the need for removal more than addition. We are consuming far more content, information, ideas, philosophies that we are removing stresses and things that don't serve us to allow us to integrate and apply the very things that we're consuming. So it's kind of like eating and having a blocked up digestive tract. That you can't eliminate waste, and what happens to you? Eventually, you poison your body, and things break down. That's what you just shared. Is constrict yourself, get smaller, because you become more powerful when you eliminate unnecessary relationships, environments, stresses, etc. And you get very finite with your power. There's so much more you can accomplish, and you build on that, and you take those steps. Any other thoughts? Last word, wise words you have for? you know, the type of man that you are and how you're able to support such strong women for other men out there that want to learn how to do the same besides what we already talked about.
0: No, I mean, I, I, I appreciate you guys, you have me on here and just all, the kind words that you share with me, you know, and I hope that some of the things that I've said, you know, that I, I, they're true to me. I don't know if they're true to everybody listening, you know? And so that's 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 the place that I want to come from is I don't, I don't want to present myself as this this know-it-all person who's got it all figured out because it's a daily grind. Um you know, and you've got to figure out what makes sense for you a- along the way, um, but also attach it to some truth. So that, that's what's been amazing for me is with, with my faith is, you know, I've been able to attach all of this searching and, and reflecting to a truth. Um, and so attach yourself to truth. Don't be afraid of it. You know, there, there is truth out there. So so find it and attach yourself to it.
1: Yeah. And, so, and before we go, uh, for those that are still hanging out with us. I just want to quickly let everybody know that I'm actually doing a premium whiskey giveaway, uh, a bottle of single malt scotch uh, every month for the rest of 2023. The link for you, if you want to jump in on that, will be provided in the description uh, section as well. Uh, So make sure you follow those prompts, you enter, and if you win, I personally will be emailing you to let you know and then uh, mail you that special whiskey that we have up for grabs. Uh, Other than that, uh, I would really appreciate it if you would consider liking and subscribing to the podcast wherever you might Listen to this show. Uh, if you have a comment for me or for Tyler, feel free to email me. That email is in the description as well. Um, and I look forward to hearing from you. Leave a nice comment if you'd like to do that as well. Thank you so much for being here, Tyler. Thank you, brother, for being here. Until next conversation. Cheers. Cheers. For those listening today, thanks for hanging out with us. If you're digging what you're hearing, don't forget to give that subscribe button a tap and make sure you rate and review the show. Catch you all in the next conversation. Cheers.